0: Hello, podcast friends, and welcome to today's episode of the IT Coffee Break. I'm Anastasia Lisiyeva, a specialist at IPA. I do hope that you enjoy the sunny summer time. However, fall is just around the corner, and for many of us, it equals to back-to-school mode. That's why today we continue our Ask the Expert series with back-to-school digital parenting tips from Daniel Todd. I'd like to welcome Daniel to the podcast, and Daniel, welcome to you. Good to hear you again.
1: My pleasure once again.
0: If you have missed our first digital parenting episode with Daniel, be sure to check it out. For those who haven't met Daniel, what you need to know about him in a nutshell is that Daniel is a proud father of two sons. He's a psychologist, YouTuber, and a gamer, and Daniel has more than 10 years practical experience and he helps to resolve family conflicts on screen time, video games and social media. So basically on everything that happens to us each and every day. Daniel, as you are a gamer, I have prepared a quick game for you, this or that. I ask and you choose one option you like the most between the two. Ready? Yes. Let's play them. Tea or coffee? Burgers or sandwiches? Burgers. Mobile games or console games? Console. Harry Potter or the Lord of the Rings?
1: I'm gonna go with Lord of the Rings.
0: Fishing or kayaking?
1: Hmm, fishing.
0: That's really nice to know. And now let's get to digital parenting. My first question is, you know, a regular one. At the beginning of each year. What can parents do to ensure that kids get off to a good start?
1: Even if uh, it's a regular year, so there are no extra difficulties like we have right now, it's always a a transition for the kids from the summertime to going back to school. Depending on how uh, socially successful is a child in school, it it can decide whether uh, he or she wants to go back to school already because... It's, it's a good experience, it's fun, it's good to be there, or a more feared, dreaded experience that, oh God, once again, I have to go back to school. Uh, right now, it's extra difficult for um, both parents and the kids because we had the past year uh, behind us. So it's uh, especially important right now to help the kids to establish and maintain a daily routine. And in that routine, it's uh, especially important to uh, maintain a strong online and offline balance. Because in the last year or so, uh, we had, uh, let's say, an elevated consumption of uh, uh, digital stuff. We had a lot more screen time, both adults and the kids alike. So it's really important if you want to get back to a normal lifestyle, a productive school year, to to establish a balance of online and offline activities. That's that's the start. Uh, Kids uh, right now need uh, extra attention, because uh, Even if, uh, as I mentioned before, they are kind of uh, socially successful in school, it's a stressful transition for them all the same because of all the rules, all the things that they need to accustom to, all the ways they have to behave in school and so on. And even before the whole pandemic situation, it was was a growing trend that uh, kids preferred to communicate uh, online Uh, via chat softwares and so on, rather than communicating uh, in real life face to face. So even if they were uh, in the same space, they preferred to chat with each other rather than talk with each other, uh, because it's always easier to avoid the unpleasant things in online communications, like uh, refusal, rejection, uh, getting ridiculed and so on. So uh, right now in this present uh, situation, It can be one of the problems that we can actually tackle as uh, parents or adults, that we can support the kids, help them overcome uh, these uh, difficulties, like uh, give them extra support uh, via, I don't know, hiring psychologists, if necessary, to help them uh, strengthen their coping skills, their social soft skills, their communication, assertivity skills, and so on.
0: Thank you very much for this tip. You were talking about digital balance. The 1st of September is, you know, like a new beginning, like a new Mm -hmm. year. And at this time, families really rethink uh, their tech habits. Mm -hmm. And uh, you've mentioned in our first episode, and you've pointed it out now, that children need routines and they need boundaries. What is the best approach to do so? It's
1: uh, very important that uh, if uh, we are living in a family and we want to uh, establish uh, daily routines with uh, digital boundaries and so on, that we have to do it together. So uh, no one likes boundaries when it goes against what they would like to do. And it's always easier to go through Uh, hardships together, you know, there is a common saying that it's always easier to do a diet together, for example, because we can support each other, we can motivate each other and so on. So if we want to uh, set up a new lifestyle with less screen time, for example, then we should do it together as a family and it uh, should incorporate our daily routine from morning to night time. So, for example, if we agree on that uh, for example, there are no phones, no screens during meal times. Then it means that during breakfast, no one plays with their phone, no one checks their phone, whether it's work or or, or just uh, recreation, no matter. So parents and kids alike should uh, respect that rule. If uh, there is an uh, established uh, screen time for watching series or playing video games or whatnot, then it should be open for everybody or like uh, in an age-appropriate way so parents can have more screen time than kids, of course. And if there are uh, brothers and sisters, then based on the age, they can have more or less screen time and so on. And uh, if we want, I don't know, to ensure the good night time, then it could work that uh, we turn off the wireless router, I don't know, around 10 p.m. or 11 p.m. So after that, no one can go on the internet and uh, on the social media. and So everyone has to go to sleep. These uh, boundaries can be just as uncomfortable for the parents <laughs> as they can be for the kids. But if you do it together, then it, it can have a very, very strong effect. Not just because uh, it can have a shaping effect on our behavior, but it can also actually... Uh, help the family uh, become closer. And speaking of getting closer, it can be also a good tip to stop the the fracturing of screen time. By that I mean that it's a it's a common habit that, let's say, for a four member family, they are watching at least eight screens in the in the evening because the TV is on. There is something on my laptop. I'm checking my phone and so on. And instead of that, we should. Uh, create a convergence of attention. Uh, So for example, decide what series are we all watching together uh, or play a video game together. So create a common family experiences where we can share the experience, where we can make conversation about the things we are watching or the the games we are playing. We can talk about it after. It can can have a really uh, strong cohesive effect uh, on the family. And it's also a great opportunity for parents to learn more about their kids because uh, uh, let's say the parents would like to watch some, I don't know, romantic comedy, and the kid says that he wants to watch, I don't know, some sort of uh, anime, for example, a cypher series, some something that the parents never even heard about. And this way, if they're watching it together, they can actually get to know their kids more, not to mention, as I said before, that they can actually strike a conversation about this uh, mutual experience. Discussion is very important. Uh, even before the pandemic, I'm Thing to remember is that an average parent spend, spends around seven minutes of conversation uh, in a regular day with their kids and it's not, that, not a whole lot. So watching something together can be a great uh, opportunity or excuse uh, for starting a conversation. I think you can never have too much conversation with your kids.
0: I'm just trying to digest this, you know, Seven minutes per day, that is the conversation kind of parents have with kids, right?
1: I seem to remember reading it, yes, that was the statistics. And uh, all, the, all, the, all the stress and all the extra digital activities of the last year I think even even made the statistics
0: worse. Uh, last year gave us a lot of bad tech habits. From your opinion, what are the worst tech habits and how can we break them?
1: One of the worst tech habits is uh, when uh, there are no boundaries at all. Uh, so uh, it became a common habit to not to watch one episode of my favorite series, but uh, binge the whole series and then another and another so the the kind of limitless consumption is is bad especially so if it's combined with another form of limitless consumption so binge watching series and binge eating uh, junk food (laughs) the more binging we do the the worse it gets
0: From my perspective, um, I'm guilty of uh, one of the worst habits is fobbing. It turns out that parents try to name that multitasking. I don't think that this exists. And what can we do to drop this habit?
1: It's very important to be honest with ourselves and then uh, with each other. Because uh, parental example is everything. Yes, as you said, there is no really such thing as multitasking. It's an option for us to divide our attention it's never going to be 100% of attention for all the things that we claim to multitask at the same time so if we really want to pay attention to our spouse or to our children then we have to stop messing with our phone or watching the TV in the meantime because it's not going to be real attention so first we have to be honest with ourselves about what is really important for us and set our priorities straight because in fact there is a work I have to do and I need I don't know half an hour to write an important email then I have to i have to uh, say it out loud that honey I'm gonna need half an hour then we can talk about whatever you would like and then the work comes first if it's a priority and then family time and no more emails and no more uh, smartphone and so on so we have to communicate our needs but first we have to get clear about our needs that's why I said it's very important to be honest with ourselves first and uh, yes if we want to be a uh, uh, conscious and uh, effective parents in our digital parenting, then we have to set our uh, digital habits and daily routines accordingly. So, so the parents also have to restrict themselves as they would like to restrict their kids.
0: No one said it would be easy. So, thank you very much. Really, a lot to think about. Thank you, Danielle. To be quite frank, we are the palmers, tech people, and yes. we are more inclined to using gadgets in our parenting. Is there really a dark side to this as well?
1: If you focus on the parenting part, it's kind of a common uh, question I get from parents in this whole uh, area. What kind of app should I download uh, that will do the parenting for me or instead of me? Or how can we ensure that uh, no one intrudes on our kids' online privacy but us? So uh, the parents would like to control uh, their kids, they would like to control their interactions, would like to ensure that nobody, no outsider, no criminal, no whatever, uh, would uh, be able to intrude on their kids' privacy, but they would like to maintain intruding on the kids' privacy. So there's always a a conundrum in in this this, uh, topic because the parents can easily become part of the problem. Uh, with the best intentions uh, at heart. So uh, control, practical control is really important in the early years because there is a lot of uh, garbage and uh, danger on the internet and we have to protect our kids from it in the early years when they are just uh, tipping their toe into the ocean of the internet. But uh, as the years progress, it becomes more and more important to replace control uh, for support because we need to nurture our children, help them become uh, conscious responsible internet users at a certain point we're gonna have to start to believe in our kids that they are capable of making right choices if we give them the necessary preparations that they are uh, able to cope with the problems they're facing and we need to believe that they would turn to us they run into a problem that uh, they cannot cope with and it's uh, problematic for them it helps uh, once again if uh, we uh, maintain Uh, regular conversations about these topics. So uh, if the kit is not uh, abandoned in the jungle of the internet, But instead, it's part of our daily routine to talk like uh, 10 minutes about uh, our daily uh, Internet activities, uh, like the videos we watched on certain platforms or or funny comments we wrote or what our favorite influencer did during the day and so on. Uh, Then with these conversations, we can actually help our children day to day to be responsible uh, Internet users. But for that, once again, we have to be able to give them the necessary um, instructions, information, like for the basics of uh, privacy settings.
0: Parental control and special programs, you find it counterproductive. After a while. Mm
1: -hmm, It's it's mm -hmm. hard to say exactly uh, uh, at which year, but in the early years, they can be a really, really important uh, lifesaver even uh, to help uh, parents control the contents that their kids are going to consume. It, it can be really useful. But uh, for example, when the kid starts to get their own device, then we are leaping from the controlled environment to the free usage. And along that line, it's really important to nurture the Uh, responsibility in the kids and not uh, try to shackle them.
0: And what about chats? Is it worth checking the chats every now and then?
1: It depends uh, on the agreement because if it's kind of common knowledge, if it's what the parents and the kids agreed upon, that uh, the kid gets their own phone, for example, uh, and the parent has the right to review the chats, for example, once a week, for example, or the sites they visited and so on, then it's all right. Uh, if the parents promised uh, autonomy to the kids, and then they go behind the back of the kid, then it's a, it's a violation of trust, and it can create more problems.
0: Right. Totally agree with that. And I heard... Agreement, and I do know that a lot of families are doing some kind of family digital device contract or agreement. Uh, this tool is becoming more and more popular. And can you tell us what it is and what are the pros and cons of this tool? It can be a very
1: effective tool once again uh, in uh, maintaining the daily routine and digital habits, for example. Uh, but only if we uh, <laughs> do it right. So uh, rules are important for us, but the rules must be. Be just. They must be uh, reliable. They must be always uh, clear and never whimsical. So if there is a rule that uh, the kid is allowed to play, I don't know, two hours of video games a day, then uh, it cannot become three hours because uh, mommy had a good day or it uh, cannot, uh, cannot be denied because daddy had a bad day at work. So uh, uh, rules must be behave like rules like the laws uh, do not change uh, simply because of the weather or or whatnot, because they're only reliable if they are not biased. So uh, rules can deliver us the the wonders of uh, consequences. It can be very helpful in shaping the behavior of a kid and for us adults as well. If we live by uh, rules, then we we can be held accountable and we can uh, sense the consequences of our actions. So for example, many parents complain about the kids uh, throwing temper tantrums when they're not allowed to play video games, for example. And uh, more often than not, the parents give in and uh, give the kids what they want. With this uh, approach, the kids learn that uh, if I throw a tantrum, I get what I want. So that is the consequence that they learn. By this way, we basically reinforce that uh, behavior pattern, which is really not a good idea. Instead, if we teach are kids that uh, by uh, doing their homework, doing their chores, they earn the uh, lotted video game time. And if they uh, neglect their duties, then they Uh, forfeit their video game time for example then it's a it's a consequence and if we stand by and uh, do not give in when the kid throws in the formally practiced temper tantrum then uh, it can become clear for the kid that if I do my job basically then I get what I want so we can reinforce the required or more desired behavior it's important that it needs to include consequences and uh, not uh, not punishment really because uh, punishment once again can be biased, can be uh, become larger or smaller based on the mood of the parent. If we have an agreement in the family, then it should include the positive-negative consequences. So the best uh, way, if uh, we discuss, uh, let's see, the, the steps or the levels of uh, uh, consequences with the kids, and uh, sometimes even they are the ones who, who come up with ideas how, how they would like to be regulated. It's, it can be really interesting because as we become part of the process, it appears that the kids are really, they want rules and they want boundaries. But in the day-to-day situations, they're, of course, uh, playing as hard as they can to get out of those rules. But if you have an agreement that, look, here you said you signed it uh, yourself symbolically, that if you are playing video games after the two hours, then it means that next day, I don't know, it's half an hour less, for example. The key principle is that it needs to be a mutual agreement and it needs to be clear and consequential.
0: another point you've already started also to mention is social media let's discuss this common parenting dilemma on one hand I don't want my kid to have social platform until legal age of joining but all the other kids will mock him or her for it and so What should I do? If I forbid it, it might attract kid even more. He will go to some friends and he will set this profile and he will start chatting, etc. What do I do? Okay,
1: Uh, there is a certain sort of executive decision that we need to uh, make as adults. Because if uh, if you're not certain that our kids will follow our rules. So there is a possibility that, uh, for example, our child will uh, register to the certain social media platform behind our back. We have another problem altogether. So then we have another other thing coming. Uh, because if we have this kind of doubts, then we cannot be certain that uh, our child is not online already on those platforms.
0: Right. Mm-hmm.
1: So uh, if you are uncertain, then uh, we have to uh, approach the situation totally differently. So I'm going to try to make it simple. There are three categories that we can strive for. Category one, uh, our child is not on any of the platforms and is willing to not register, uh, trust us, uh, we follow our rules and so on. Then we have to go for preparation. If it's uh, just time for our child to go online or get familiar with it, for example, but we not yet want to fully let go of them into the, into the deep end of the social media, then we can start it in a controlled manner. For example, uh, create a family social media account where uh, we are all there together, learning the ropes together, even uh, can see the interactions of our child and so on and so on. The next step uh, could be a, let's say, semi-controlled account. The one we mentioned before that the child has his or her own social media account, but it's agreed upon that, let's say, once a week, we're going to look into it, check on it, look, look at the chat communications, look at the friend requests and so on and so on. And in this way, step by step, uh, we have to approach the area in the end, then we fully let go of our child to make their own choices online that we're going to do anyway. And we only stay there in the background as support, someone they can talk to, someone they can ask if they have a problem and so on.
0: I love this idea of family social media account. So how do we divide the time we spend of the year or how does it work?
1: It's a perfect opportunity for the family to sit down and start the conversation of the, of the wishes and the needs and the, uh, the desires of the family members. Because, for example, it can be a valid uh, request from the child that the parents do not post pictures of the kid without the kid's consent or they want to have the right to approve or veto those pictures before posting.
0: And what about family chats? Is that a good tool for communication?
1: Interestingly enough, the online communication can help in certain situations. So uh, it can be very practical, for example, if you are not at the same place, as it was kind of uh, meant to be used. So during the daytime, while the the kid is at school and the parents at work, it can be a quick and effective way to communicate, family chat room for example but uh, as soon as we have the opportunity to talk with each other face to face we shouldn't uh, chat with each other just because the other member of the family is another room so then we should do the extra mile to actually walk to the living room or <laughs> or, or to the kids room to, to have a conversation but once again there are situations when it can be uh, an interesting uh, hack for example life hack because uh, It can be a good short term solution and that's why kids often fall in love with this kind of communication. Let's say the kid would like to ask for something and uh, do not have the courage to ask for it face-to-face, but just have the courage to ask for it in, in a chat uh, form of communication. If it's possible, face-to-face communication is always
0: preferred. And it seems like it could be a form of gamification. And yes. so what are the fun and healthy ways to use Tech in Family? How can we gamify our family time with the help of tech?
1: It's a tricky question because gamification for me is not tied to tech uh, in any way. We can use gamification about technology as well as anything else, but the sense of gamification is itself is not uh, using playful applications, for example, but to utilize, to use the essence of games, mm-hmm. which is usually uh, based on the inner motivations. Basically, uh, we play video games, for example, and most of the games for that matter, uh, for the experience itself. So we do not need uh, to be paid for it, for example. We do not need any external rewards. The the game itself is its own reward. And we can use this principle, uh, the playfulness, so to speak, uh, for anything that we would like to improve. So, for example, we can make a family, uh, I don't know, chore game, Uh, about uh, who does the the most chores around the house and we can uh, uh, set a point system for it that we can follow on the fridge and then set certain rewards and bonuses for example, the person with the most uh, chore points at the end of the week decides uh, where we go for lunch on the weekend, or what movie to be watch, or what board game to be played together, and so on. It's also important to use the, uh, the whole system towards the way that you would like to progress. So it's not a good idea that the person who uh, does the most chores can spend the most time online. Because then the reward itself uh, steers uh, the winner away from the family. If we can use actual rewards that uh, is good for the whole family, then no matter who actually wins, everybody wins in a certain way.
0: I love this idea with choice, point system and with a reward. And once again, it's family time. Thank you very much for sharing. Very cool insight. You mentioned there, there is a lot of uncertainty for the upcoming school year. And uh, it seems that we and kids would still spend more time learning online. And it has a lot of pros in that. For example, we have eKids program at EPAM that gives a lot of different opportunities to study. But still there is a point when we are tired of screen. How can we minimize uh, this so-called Zoom fatigue?
1: Uh, Zoom fatigue and most of the other harmful effects of overuse and consumption of digital stuff can be regulated uh, with regular, let's say, digital diets or digital detox. So uh, it's important to, uh, as we said before, have boundaries. But it's also important to have uh, times when we can recover from uh, the effects of the digital uh, consumption. So if you can uh, just uh, set for an hour of family time, for example, when no one watches the screen and we are having a conversation, it can do wonders for our performance and family cohesion and mood and many other things.
0: I think digital detox is a huge part of digital balance you are mentioning. And how exactly do we organize these digital detox? For example, Sundays are screen-free or something like that. What's the best approach here? Uh,
1: First of all, I think it's important to differentiate between a, a digital diet and digital detox because if you agree on spending less time uh, online or watching or watch episode uh, one one episode less from a certain series or playing one hours less with video games that's just a diet uh, that's uh, consuming less from the certain things, if you can create an hour of family time together, for example, without skins, that's once again falls into the diet category. For uh, for digital detox to actually happen, we you gotta leave chance for our nervous system to resettle for the normal ways of working because our dopamine levels is often increased uh, with our digital activities, and thus we need time to recover from that. So we need, I would say, at least a day, uh, rather two. To, to actually <laughs> recover. Because in the first phase, uh, often our FOMO is triggered and our, let's say, sort of withdrawal effects because we become nervous, we, we become a- agitated. We, we start to feel uh, our phone vibrating in our pocket, uh, even though it's not there. So kind of kind of a phantom pain <laughs> appears. But right. But uh, after a day or so, and it can differ depending on the person and the online activities and the lifestyle and whatnot, things start to reset. So uh, colors become brighter. The taste of food becomes more intense. The whole uh, pace of things uh, start to slow down a little back to the normal. And and that's uh, when the, the, the digital detox can actually happen and that is a, a very valuable situation, opportunity to do things like, uh, I don't know, uh, meditate about uh, our life or where we want to go or have uh, deep uh, family discussions or have some uh, meaningful, colorful experience. So. It's, it's uh, valuable things and it's uh, worth doing regularly and m- might even be combined with other experiences. So, uh, with the... A- a regular digital lifestyle, so to speak, it's near impossible to get your child to, let's say, uh, stop playing video games and instead go to a museum with you or go to have a walk in nature because it's boring compared to the high dopamine levels of uh, action video games. But if we already had a little digital detox and our and our uh, pace and dopamine levels are back to normal, then we can actually enjoy, I don't know, watching birds on the sky or watching paintings and uh, other offline old school experiences.
0: I really love this comparison, you know, with the diet and with the addiction. And I've been thinking, so basically what you're saying, it's some kind of a shift from FOMO to JOMO. How do we do that for the whole family?
1: Uh, It's important that... uh... With FOMO, you are afraid to miss out on something that happens online. And with JOMO, you're not really enjoying of missing out on what happens online. It's kind of a, a tricky uh, misnomer. You can have a joy of not missing out life. So you can have the joy of experiencing a, a conversation, a cup of tea, uh, all the experiences that are around you that you usually miss out on while you're following the online events while you're checking on your phone you do not really perceive all the things that happen around you and if you put down your phone then you can uh, give your full attention to your surroundings your family members to your actual activities that you are doing the food that you're eating and so on so if you want to switch from the let's say FOMO to YOMO then uh, once again it's uh, very uh, helpful if you can do it together as a as a family It's always easier if we have allocated times and events for these kind of things, because if everyone around you is on their phones, it's really hard for you to to be the one who is not, because then you feel alone. (laughs) Then you are the one who feel isolated, who will actually like to connect, uh, for example. It's also helpful to reinvent or more like rediscover how joyful, actually how interesting or colorful life can be, So for example, not having the same meal every day, but uh, play with it as a family that, uh, I don't know, every week we try a different kind of cuisine. And it once again can be tied into the family chore games, for example, that the one who did the most chores can be the one who decides that this week is Chinese or Mexican or Italian or whatnot, for example. It can also help if we uh, look for uh, offline activities that are connected with our own interests. So for example, if our kid is is in a mode with, uh, I don't know, medieval uh, knight uh, games, role-playing games for example, then it can be an alternative to go to riding or fencing or try some archery and whatnot. Uh,
0: So basically what you are saying is trying to incorporate what kids and what we grown ups love online and to find it in a real life.
1: Yes, and to and to mix things up. So to Mm -hmm. create more and more colorful and interesting experiences that are actually joyful for us. So it's not so Jomo can never be a consolation prize. It's, it can never be the one that I can endure, but I would rather be online. So, if uh, going for a walk is like 10% and being online is 100%, then it's not a good setting. The Jomo activity should be just as interesting as the online one. And we can actually find that uh, more often than not, we only go online as a uh, as a way of passing time because there is nothing better that we can do. So if the closest I can find to what I really want to experience, let's say night food, for example, as I said before, and playing online games where I go to the role of a knight, is the closest experience, then it's going to be the 100%. But if I can actually experience fencing, grinding, archery and so on, then it can beat the experience of the video games. So I need to find the essence of my motivation, but I really want the experience and uh, that can trump the online activities.
0: You're a professional psychologist, you work a lot with kids. Do you have any advice from digital kids to parents?
1: Uh, The most uh, important advice would be to uh, do not believe the kids when they claim that they want to be left alone in the digital space. So more often than not, kids claim that they just want uh, endless time online, that they're going to be fine. They just want their parents to stop pestering them and uh, uh, stop fighting with them. So they just want the complete freedom. But then it's it would be the uh, home alone situation with Kevin. So the kids do not really want to be abandoned and given complete freedom. They they want connection and they want communication and they, they want attention and they want uh, boundaries. So we should... Uh, find the optimal levels of these things uh, together as a family.
0: Thank you very much for that. And is there anything else you want to share with our listeners?
1: Uh, I have a bit of news for you uh, based on all my research and experience and whatnot. Right now, I'm working on my first book on the digital parenting. And if you are interested, I would be happy to share it with you.
0: Uh, congratulations and good luck. Really looking forward. Thank you, Danielle, for joining us and sharing amazing information and amazing tips. My three main takeaways from today's talk would be the first one, we have to schedule family device-free activities that all family members can do together with the devices stashed away. And one of the best ideas is to have these choice point system with a reward where the whole family spends face-to-face time the second point is to talk as often as possible about the digital world uh, to make it a good habit to discuss the good and there is a lot of good what is not good and the bad that is happening in the digital world. And the third one, the most important one, would be model the digital behavior you want to see in your children. Danielle, once again, thank you very much for joining us. And what are your thoughts on digital parenting? Feel free to share in the comments, subscribe to our channel on Anchor, and hear you next time. Goodbye.
1: Bye.